Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a Pilates teacher specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. The aim of this podcast is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfill her body's potential, gain confidence in her power and give our families the best version of us to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Hi everyone, just a quick one to all the movement mums out there. How would you like to get something you actually want for next Mother's Day? Well, how about a whole weekend spent with like-minded, wonderful women with movement, mindfulness, nourishing food and connection to nature, all in luxury accommodation? Yes, this magical weekend can be yours. It's March the 7th and 8th next year, 2020. All you have to do is go to my website, which is everydaystrong, all one word, .co.uk and click on the retreat tab and you'll be able to find all the information. If you have any questions, you can just message me through Instagram, uh, which is, uh, my handle is at motherofallmovement or my email and those links are also in the show notes so you can uh, contact me through there. It's going to be an amazing weekend. I really hope to get as many people as possible absolutely nourishing themselves, body and soul, and connecting to themselves physically and through nature. Uh, Let me know if you have any questions. I hope you guys can join. Hi Movement fans, welcome to this special episode recorded in person at the wonderful Being Mum Festival early, super early on a Sunday morning, before most of the talks and workshops have started and I'm really happy to welcome Claire Bourne to the podcast who is a women's health physiotherapist in London, resident physio at the Mummy Tribe Retreats in the UK and part of the team at Bumps and Burpees. So Claire, thank you so much for joining me early on a Sunday morning. Thank you. Maybe, maybe we can start with you telling us a little bit more about yourself, family life, where you are and what you do. Yeah, fab. Yeah, so um, as you say, I'm a women's health physio, but um, again, my private life, I'm a mum <laughs> of a little girl who is well, heading on to three now, and I'm 29 weeks pregnant, Yay. so um, yes, that's speeding along, it's really flying by. Yeah. Um, I'm married to a doctor, which is always good oh, fun, good. he's um, a GP trainee, nearly through the other side, okay. so we have very interesting conversations ahead. Yes, I'm sure you're a bit like <laughs> my, me and my husband, lots of geeky yeah, conversations about it. stuff. Yeah, we love it, um, Yeah, so I work currently a day and a half in clinic, mm-hmm. uh, which I love, um, but I get obviously the privilege of working with other teams like Mummy Tribes, so I go away on retreat and nice. assess all the mums there uh, bumps and burpees it's sort of <clears throat> uh, sort of supportive role I assess lots of the mums there I refer lots of mums in and just trying to get mums moving lots of my clients you know come to me and they're like I really want to exercise again I'm just not sure what that transition is from having a baby mm. to being back maybe at Barry's boot camp 
and that's obviously a process of getting yeah. there. Yes, um, and exactly. so I love working with trainers who love doing that part of the journey. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm the early part, maybe more rehabby, moving into training in a, a more impacty way before they go back and. I'm never personally never done a Barry's fast. I'm a bit scared to be honest with you. <laughs> maybe after this baby, I'll have the confidence. Um, but yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, um, and you're talking here of being mum, right? Yes. So what are you talking about here? So I'm doing two different things. I'm working with Lulu Adams from Mummy Tribe. We're yeah. basically trying to bring a little bit of the retreat here to show other mums kind of what we're doing, really. Nice. So um, Lulu and I are really passionate, obviously, about educating mums about their bodies. And we have mums at Mummy Tribe anything from six weeks postnatal. I think actually eight weeks was the earliest we had this time. But they might be three years postnatal. Yeah. But at the end of the day, lots of us haven't necessarily heard exactly what's happened with our bodies. No, I mean, I'm assessing women three years postnatal because no one's checked them physically. No. And they're still like, I'm not really sure if everything's working down there. So um, we do that. Then we, so we link it into a class. We call it um, sort of fun, uh, foundations. Um, so we start with a little chat about pelvic floor, abdominal, some of the changes that have happened in pregnancy, but then getting the mums moving, getting them functional, getting them upright and, and thinking about how they can take what we're talking about with the pelvic floor and the breath work into movement of mum life. Amazing. Um, you know, I think physios always had the criticism of like, everyone lies on a mat and you're doing <laughs> your rehab lying down. And yeah. like, I don't know, as a mum, I never lie down. No. So, um, so it's very much like, let's get all up and let's get moving and let's feel those things. Um, and that's what we're trying to bring a little bit here. And then I'm talking with someone called Nima, who's Bodywise Mum on Instagram. She's brilliant, really passionate. She's part of the Bumps and Burpees team, PT. Okay. Um, she's just had two, well, she's just had her second. Our kids are actually very going to be very similar ages. Um, we're talking about where's my pelvic floor gone because I think lots of women are like I can't feel it anymore yeah. why can't I feel it and you know I think the message always is like well it's weak just keep squeezing yeah. but actually in reality that's not the case for a yeah. lot of women especially postnatally um, and we're just trying to educate women about the, what the, all the aspects of pelvic floor changes uh, not just it's all long and weak yeah, yeah. that's generally I'd say a lot of my postnatal mums now that's not necessarily the case yeah um, we're going to go so, and talk about that brilliant. as well because I've got a question about that um, so, go so on. that's what we're going to yeah. be covering this afternoon amazing okay I'm so thorough to be able to have the, all of that at one yeah, workshop day know, there's so much here yeah. which is really good so uh, you and I are both uh, <laughs> pelvic floor geeks happy to talk about <laughs> vaginas and vulvas and pee and poo all day <laughs> yes, uh, and that's not just with our kids <laughs> um, how did you get into being a women's health physio then? Was it something yeah. you always wanted to do when you first went to study a physio? Definitely not. No. It wasn't even on my radar. Right, okay. You know, I think when you do work experience before you go to university, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone really, well, back in the day, which was now like 13, 14 years ago, you just didn't have that experience of knowing about women's health. And no. I think yeah. things have really changed in the pelvic health world over yeah. the last 10 years within physiotherapy. It's now a hugely growing field. But back then it was pretty much if you were a musculoskeletal physio and maybe you'd had kids and you realize actually women needed help you might go into it in later life um what generalization but that was generally yeah, how it was yeah, yeah. um when i came out of university jobs were very very thin on the ground so i just applied for anything it wasn't defined as a women's health job it was just a rotational band five yeah. which is how we all come out of university yeah. into so i just agreed to taking a job it was at chelsea and westminster i was like brilliant lovely london hospital and they're like yeah you're going to start in women's health. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't, I've never studied that. We never did that at uni. Wow, it was an really? optional module. It was an optional, wow. Um, but it was not something I was interested in. I was still in very much like, 
I'm going to like either be a paediatric physio or I'm going to work for a rugby team. And I ended up in women's health and I was like, gosh, this is, this is embarrassing. Like I genuinely know nothing, but the team are brilliant. They were like, we know you're not going to know any specialist knowledge, but we'll just teach you from the beginning. So that was, yeah, 10 years ago now. And, um, I just fell in love with it. I yeah. just, I loved the changes that you can make. I loved work, working with women. I, I mean, I do treat men now as well, but yeah. from the, just fell in love with it from then. And so I did it for an extended length of time as you would longer than you would do as a junior. I just kept being like, can I do a bit more? Can I do a bit more? I did go and do other areas cause we just have to in order to make sure yeah. that we're a broad physiotherapist. Um, but as soon as I could, I actually took a month out and went to India and did some volunteer work because I was a bit lost in what I was going to do. I was like, I don't really want to do, do I want to do women's mm, health? What, I loved ITU as well. Yeah. So I went to India just with a charity, some friends, and we did some physio work there. And they asked me to do lots about women's health, and I was a bit like, oh, okay. And I just ignited this passion again in me, actually. I think working with women who have point. nothing yeah. in yeah. the slums. Yeah. And they were like, it was almost like, like, wow, this is, I, I thought it was really basic, but for them, it was like life changing, you know, they have many, many children and lots of them are incontinent. There's so much more shame around it yeah. um, over there. And yeah, so then I came back, I literally applied for a job the next week, got it, I went back to Chelsea, Westminster, and then worked my way up into management and then headed into private practice when I got married and we were thinking about little people. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just a flexibility more than anything Right, else. okay, okay, so yeah. that's why you now yeah, run in private practice, although NHS. I think that's where, the way quite a lot of physios go, isn't Definitely. it? Definitely, I think it was a mixed decision, um, nothing against the NHS, obviously my husband works at the NHS and we're very, very pro. I think as a physiotherapist though, there are challenges, we are, our hands are very tied and I got to the point where I felt like I really couldn't help women the way I wanted to yeah, okay. and that was frustrating, also yeah. difficult and obviously we still need physiotherapists in the um, NHS but just from our family life, it just wasn't going to work yeah. so we decided that was a move that I would make. Yeah. Um, Will I go back? Maybe one day. I would I would love to maybe do some split when the kids yeah. are older, yeah. do a bit more NHS and do a bit of private. Um, but I just love now that I can really take a woman from the whole, you know, they'll come to me in pregnancy because they can. Yeah. And I'll see them through that entire journey. And I'm just really noticing the difference that that makes to yeah. a woman rather than that emergency maybe five years down the line. Yeah. They've been raging the incontinent for five years and it's very hard to claim it back. Yeah. It's not impossible at all, but I personally just love walking that journey with a woman from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Um, and so movement life-wise, what's, what was your experience of life? So you, you've obviously got a two-year-old, you two said. Year old, yeah. yeah. So what was li uh, life movement-wise for you before you had your yeah. first and then <laughs> between and then now you're yeah. pregnant? So, I mean, I think exercise for me has been a really interesting, or movement has been really interesting through my whole life. School, I was like classic person, I was in all the teams, right. all the sports, yeah. um, even though I was probably rubbish at some of them, but they were yeah. like, yeah, you're the goalkeeper in hockey. I was like, okay, sure. You know, just did everything. Uh, went to university, lost my way, because you don't, unless you're in like yeah. a proper team and that's what yeah. you're dedicated to. I'm also quite musical, so I found always the split okay. between the two quite difficult. So university life sort of dropped off doing movement, really, just a bit of a run here and there. When I came out, I was like, oh, I really need to get back into this. So before I fell pregnant, I was doing things like former Pilates classes, um, HIIT classes, all that sort of stuff. The first time I thought I might be pregnant was when I nearly fainted in a reformer class doing a plank. And I was like, well, this is very unlike me. <laughs> and I just felt so lightheaded. Right. And then I was like, that's really weird. And then it turns out I was pregnant. Um, but so that, yes, in, in pregnancy, that's when I met Charlie from Bumps and Burpees because even though you have all the knowledge in the world, I just really struggle to structure my own, you know, movement, exercise, gym. I just couldn't quite get into it. Um, I think I needed someone to like walk it with me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I did some PT with her, some swimming, um, 
we were also, but we bought a house, gutted it, and redid it. Oh in, my god, you did all the months. things! Yes, everyone oh, said such a classic. We both changed jobs. We got married, <laughs> fell pregnant, and did the whole house project. Oh, sure, so sure, of course. It was a crazy yeah. time, yeah. and we did run at the beginning. My husband used to love running together. Um, then postnatally, I totally lost my confidence. Mm. Now I had a very what on paper you'd say was an uncomplicated birth, no big tears or anything like that, but. I just realised how much our bodies change, yeah. and even though again I had all the cognitive knowledge, just building it into mum life was so difficult. Yeah. And I knew I could just do five minutes Pilates here and five minutes Pilates there, and I, you know, I teach Pilates myself, so I was like, I know what I've got to do, but I just found it very hard to motivate yeah. myself. So, in that first year, probably, I mean, it was lots of walking. Uh, I did do some basic Pilates at home. I used something called the Mutu. Had yep. a DVD, yeah. so I did a bit of that at home. Yeah. Um, and then I found a holistic core store coach who lived near me, and I was like, I just need someone to just like. I'm tired. I need someone to structure think me. Think for me. I need someone yeah. to think for yeah, me. Yeah. Even I know I can think for myself. Um, <laughs> and I tell you, like, I really found. So my pelvic floor is doing fine. I've been pretty asymptomatic of anything. But once I got moving in that way, so I built my pelvic floor much more into squats and lunges and functional movements, um, I guess everything I preach now, even though I knew it then, I just lived it better. Yeah. Um, I just found such a difference. So um, I, that, I used to train with her, then I, uh, then I joined a gym and just got my own kind of thing yeah. going on. And then in pregnancy, so I've been doing reformer Pilates until about a month ago. And the only right. reason I haven't, it's just been life was too busy. Right. We've been at weddings and hen parties and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've been going to the gym, sort of either cycling, I've got a turbo trainer at home, so I've been doing a bit of that. Wow. Um, but now I'm pretty much, like yesterday, I didn't have any time to go, go to the gym, but I literally did some resistance bands work for my glutes. My daughter was there with me. Perfect. We were like rolling out my uh, calves, so I've been having night cramps and stuff yeah. like that, all the things that women express and they're horrible. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely changed. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to run again. I just didn't have the time almost to just think about getting my rehab probably enough into it but I think I think what you're saying that sort of up and down and the the even though you know and all of the rest of it, it's yeah. such a common story that yes. I hear from people like nobody needs to be like a high level athlete to be able to be able to keep on going or not yes. a high level athlete to be able to think their way around it but somehow somehow for everybody you get to that point afterwards and you're just like oh I just I don't what am I doing like yeah well, you know completely and, you spent some time and just thinking, oh, well, maybe I just can't any longer. Maybe my body just doesn't work so well. And yeah. Yeah. And then you forget how to just be able to nudge yourself over the edge. But you're right. You know, you spent some time thinking, you know, what I need is a little bit of support from somebody totally. else. And, and then that helped you get to the next bit. Exactly. Right? And then I felt more confident. I felt more like I could do it again. Um, and there's just something lovely about someone telling you what to do. Yeah. I don't know if it's in the nature of what I do, realms. I'm constantly telling other moms. Yes, yeah, yeah, it feels I like good. I just want you to tell me. <laughs> um, and it was lovely, but I think it is such a shift. I think this time it'll be totally different because I've already done that transition yeah. into like motherhood and exercise. But I think I just kind of grieved and missed. I was like, oh, I kept getting angry because I was like, and my husband was like, you can go to a class. Yeah, I can't get to a class because I'm breastfeeding and yeah. I'm this and I don't know when she's going to need me. And by the time you're back from work, I'm too tired to go to a yeah. class. And he was like, all Competitive right, tiredness. calm down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that whole classic, like, paying off against each other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, in the end, I breastfed for two years. That obviously had a, an impact mm. on things as well. Um, but that was a great decision. That's actually something that was really good for us. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think this time I'm hoping that I'll be a little bit more confident. I've done it before. Yeah. Um, I felt the whole recovery. I think partly as well, I was just like, I just don't know if my body will ever feel strong again. Right, Like, yes. you know, as no, much as I know 
biologically it can do I just was like oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel like me again mm. um, and now I know that I can and you know before I felt pregnant this time I was very much back doing the things I want to do um, obviously then you're pregnant again <laughs> you're yeah. like oh, I'm back where we were yeah. um, but you know I think I've kept more active and strong this time and I've had to because I've got a two year old like yeah, I've just yeah. not been able to be as relaxed and I think I've been generally more active there's been more movement in my life than before yeah even if maybe I haven't attended as many classes or PT yeah, sessions yeah, yeah, yeah. done it's, some specific yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. I very much preach I think women are always like oh just do loads of walking in pregnancy and from a pelvic point of view I see lots of women who are like really doing high level strength training who then just walk and they end up with quite bad pelvic pain yeah because the glutes just completely yeah. switch off so yeah. I'm very much like I would rather women focus on strength training ongoing rather than going for an hour's walk um obviously walking is brilliant but I'd rather fire up the glutes and get everything like strong yeah keep it strong yeah. rather than just keeping that heart rate up which is, is all important but I mean, if you've got no time and you need to focus on one thing glutes glutes <laughs> I mean they're my resistance but I'm like practice what you preach yeah. like keep these glutes but interestingly I've had fluctuations of pelvic pain but it's only when I've not I've ignored my own yeah rehab right and it's then I'm fine again I'm the same with the knee pain I'm like yeah. I'm like, oh, that knee pain's back. Yeah, that's because I haven't been doing my rehab. Exactly. And it's just remembering that, I think, within everyday life. But I always say to mums, like, I'm a big person. I Like, postnatally, I'm like, I'm not going to give you a rehab program of 10 things. If you want 10 things, I'll give them to you. But I'm literally going to say, this is the one thing I want you to do a day. And just do it properly. Yeah. Do it to fatigue. That's it. Yeah. Keep it simple. Because I know that I wouldn't do anything else. And I think when we add to the mental load of a mum, what do we do? I know, I just disengage. Oh, I'm just like, just stop. I'm oh, not going to do it. They come back like, sorry, I was meant to do it. I didn't yeah. do it. And then and then it goes into a cycle of they feel ashamed that they haven't exactly. done the thing. They, they're like, and I'm paying for this. Yes. I still haven't <laughs> bloody done it. Yeah. And why am I not doing this? And then I feel so ashamed. Oh, I'm such a mess. And exactly. I'm not I feel so overwhelmed, overwhelmed and looking after myself and all the rest of it. And it just sort of goes on and on. Exactly. And then they go deeper into that sort of anxiety spiral. Completely. Down and down, which makes a lot of their symptoms worse, I find, Completely. as well. Those, that physical reaction yeah. too. Um, okay, so let's dive into some of the pelvic floor info as well. So when a woman comes to, um, when would a woman come to see a women's health physio? Yeah. Rather than like sticking with their normal musculoskeletal physio or with a PT that has some postnatal experience or a Pilates teacher that has some postnatal experience? What, 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 when, when do they need to yeah. upgrade? So I think, I mean, I think once you're pregnant, I mean... I, th- I think the move is going. You don't need to be symptomatic to come and see a women's health physio, which yeah. I think, obviously, most of the life, you're like, I've got pain, I go to see a physio. Yeah, yeah. I think when it comes to pelvic health, generally, I think I'm seeing a shift with women just being like, can I come and see you? Because I just don't know what's going on with my pelvic floor. Great. Um, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. And I think it's just us all being very much more proactive, which a lot of healthcare <clears throat> is not. Um, so I think if you are able to... I often just say, look, come for a one-off. Let's just see how your pelvic floor is. Make sure you feel confident in it. Um, but loads of women are just not even aware of where their pelvic floor actually is. They might have done Pilates for years, and they come, they still think it's in the lower tummy. Yeah, yeah. And obviously when I'm like, actually, it's, in, it's the vaginal area, it's the vulval area, they're like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. So I think, just understand because the, the research shows that if we do pelvic floor regularly from early pregnancy and do it correctly... That's the key thing, we do it correctly. Yeah. It can prevent symptoms later on in pregnancy, but also in the postpartum period. Yeah. Um, and other studies show that actually it helps women in the delivery, being aware of your pelvic floor. If you know how to let go of your pelvic floor, when you are therefore pushing or however you 
breathing a baby out or however you choose to terminology, yeah. whatever it is to you, um, you're going to have more body awareness. Yeah. So I think pregnancy, I'm all about body awareness and um, you know keeping you as strong as possible. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people will come postnatally. So at that six week mark, they've maybe seen their GP. They think, well, I haven't actually learned anything about my physical body, <laughs> which is fair enough. Like who can do that in 10 minutes no, and cover yeah. all the other topics that they're yeah. trying to do. Um, and then they're like, I really love running or I love CrossFit or I love, you know, rock climbing but yeah. I just don't know how to get from here into there yes. and then that's when they'd probably come in but I think any time and I've had women come to me also proactively before pregnancy maybe like I've had you know back pain for 10 years and I want to get pregnant but I'm actually really worried that worried. it's going to flare yes. up Great. and so maybe one of my musculoskeletal colleagues is like well look come and chat to Claire chat about the things that are going to change yeah. um, and what we're going to do yeah. um, also I see women sort of between pregnancy so if they had particularly bad pelvic pain and maybe didn't get help until 36 weeks yeah. they'll come in that okay I want to get pregnant in 6 months time what do I do now mm. and actually people can have better second pregnancies just because Definitely. they were proactive and we rehabbed before prehabbed I guess is the best yeah, term yeah, yeah. Um, beforehand yeah. so really any time um, but I think pelvic health you know it's so much more than pregnancy and postnatal and I think that's a big shift that's happening as well I mean I treat women from early 20s for different conditions so um, you know sexual pain or you know bladder issues or whatever it might be yeah. um but yeah from a pregnancy postpartum perspective really any in that time yeah um well it's really for people to for hear that people are really taking positive steps mm. because i think uh well like I, my daughter my eldest is uh nine and definitely before i got pregnant even though i was a pilates teacher yes i mean we didn't talk very much about no, pelvic floor because no. at the time in Pilates, a lot of people were moving away from talking specifically about pelvic floor yeah. because I think they wanted to stop doing that, like suck in the pelvic yes. floor and go yes. and do your crunches or yes. whatever. Yeah. Um, and so there was very much a movement away from that and, and, and people in the industry were sort of talking about if, if you're able to engage your lower abdominals in the right way, then you're getting the pelvic floor, which I get, you de that's definitely correct. Yes. But if you're talking about somebody if you're looking at your class and you've got a range of women from just before they want to get pregnant to 10 years after, 20 years after they have been pregnant, mm. and you don't know whether or not they're engaging in the right way, then we need to actually start talking about it and yes. saying, and even if it's like you said you're going to do with your class today, you know, spending some time talking about it in the beginning so that they've got their head in line, exactly. so they're like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I can feel where you're talking about. And then do the movement and exactly. just remind them when you're breathing in, breathing out, whatever. Yeah. That's fine. But it, I'm definitely, I'd never even thought of it at, when I, before I got pregnant as yeah. a preventative sort of thing. No. It just didn't even come up. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think, think that's been generations after generations yeah. after generations. Yeah. And I think finally there is a change. And I think women almost standing up and being like, actually, I don't want to be whether it be incontinent or I don't want to have discomfort or I don't want these things yeah um and I think just you know there's just much more awareness around it yeah. and there's been you know obviously really great key people speaking about it there's much more celebrities talking about it yeah. now there's yeah. still a very fine line between I'm finding with social media talking about it and making it comical yes and talking about it and being real yeah, yeah. obviously that for them is real but I just think like if we are if we continue to laugh about it, I don't know if we'll ever fully take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. though I think humour is a very good way of us coping with things, mm -hmm. um, I'm all for a good giggle. But I think 
somehow we have to move that shift of being like, okay, I've got to laugh about it because I'm finding this really challenging. Yes. So I've equally got to act on it. Yeah. And I think that next step is still in process. Yeah. But um, there was a lot more awareness of it and talking about it. Yeah. Um, which is exciting. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully we'll continue to bring change. I think what I'm noticing a little bit at the moment is we're obviously making more and more women aware, but I'm not sure if there's the services on the NHS at the minute to fully support all the women right. that probably need it. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to have a lag phase where we've increased awareness of women, but potentially getting them into full help on the NHS is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, so I think I just say to women, if that is you, don't just keep asking. Yeah. You might have to fund one session yourself if you're able to. Yeah. Um, or but do you know some GPs just don't have awareness that we as clinicians even exist yet mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot of work on our part it's a lot of work on the GP part mm-hmm. and it's something I'm incredibly passionate with the links that obviously I have with GPs um, but I've been it's been very eye-opening as but the awareness of pelvic health physios it's just not really there within the medical field yes it's hugely growing yeah and yeah. that's a generalization and so it too. seems to be much more on the private sides at the moment and I'd, then it is it's present on the nhs but it's always going to be less yeah um and i'd say lots more people are accessing it privately even if it is just for a one-off yeah um obviously i would love a day when that didn't need to be the case mm. um i really genuinely would i know obviously people like, oh you work privately of course you want the work but i think the work will always be there it's not about the work for me it's about the women getting the help yeah I just think we're gonna. It's gonna take time uh, before we can fully support everyone we need to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think uh, some of the things that I hear from people is that either getting some help is taking too long, which I think is always the difficulty with the NHS, and that's part of the beast that we all know, and we're very appreciative for the fact that we don't have to pay for it. So we kind of suck up the fact that it takes time and that's fine although what happens to the women in the meantime is always a concern for me particularly uh, when it comes to their mental health around the issues that they're having Um, and then uh, and then the other thing is how how many sessions they can have before they get discharged and whether or not when they are at the point of being discharged they are fully functional yes because sometimes what I've heard from women is that they've had their number of sessions and then they've come out and and the physio has said your prolapse is better but it probably won't get completely better or something like that and I'm like oh if you just could just keep on going just a little bit further it will be able to get better but there are limitations where they are at the moment they can't say I can't keep going yes but you would get better you know some more help if you went privately or something like that so I I yeah it's it's frustrating to hear the things that women say and then also when it comes to Mm -hmm. clinicians I have heard of quite a few cases where women have been told don't worry about the prolapse we'll come back in three months time and we'll line you up for surgery or we'll talk about surgery or something like that and the whole thing you just think there is so much so much that can be done in the meantime if we can just bridge the gap between the clinician side and apart from women's health physios but also people like me and all the other trainers who are really well educated get people get them involved exactly. but the chasm between the two is, yeah. is quite hard and to I think you're completely across. right and it's I, 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 I've been thinking about this so much recently about how we can link all the, the bits together yeah. and essentially I think so much of it just comes down to education not from the women's point of view but actually just the healthcare's point of view yeah. um, I mean NHS is obviously incredibly complicated in the UK yeah. we have 
essentially GPs hold like the gold pot mm, <laughs> pretty yes. much yeah. um, something called a CCG they have the money and they commission different services mm. essentially as physios we've got to make the CCGs aware that we exist yeah. <laughs> and that we can help them actually save money if yeah. we're not having to send them into kind of surgery primary care into surgery etc yeah. etc et now that is a process that I think as physiotherapists we've got to keep pushing the door of um, and if I can hound a few down I'm going to get in there mm. um, but yeah so there's, there's lots of work to do there and I think I did a post recently on social media about just like some of the free resources that are I available. saw that because that I, I didn't even know those existed exactly. so and to be able to signpost women uh, who are in my classes just to say by the way take a look because this yes. information is amazing so that, and basically it came from my husband called me on a Friday afternoon was like I've got a postnatal lady here she's got really bad pat pain three, pa- three months postnatal I'm going to try and get her into services but I know there's a long wait what can I give her in the meantime mm. and I was just like look and I literally got I was like Google this this and this and he was able to get up an information sheet that's evidence based I was like give her, print that for her send that home and it has ten exercises that she can start on in the meantime amazing and then I was like, wait, well, if he's having to call me, and thankfully he obviously lives knows. with me, right. <laughs> he knows. Yeah. But how many GPs out there don't know that? Yeah. Um, and actually the response to that post was incredible. Women were like, oh, I just didn't know. And yeah. actually, so the POGP, which is the Pelvic Obstetric Gynecological Physiotherapist, they're essentially our like, little national body that look after us pelvic health physios, educate us, teach us, and support us. They have the most amazing resources that are now they've made them all free and available online. And I just think, gosh, if actually every GP had those in their you know in their six week check they were like listen take this yeah <laughs> just google these yeah and read them yeah. i just think even that education for women yeah i'm not taking away from that one-to-one support it's always going to be gold standard but in the meantime actually there is loads of stuff out there um i think the hard thing sometimes with social media is like sifting through mm. what is correct and what is not support yeah. correct um and that's always going to be tricky but i think you know, my message to women is always like just try and find people who are registered with these national bodies see what stuff they're putting out there's some great free stuff on youtube as well and as you say like fitness professionals that lots of women don't necessarily need to see women's health physio but no. they just need the education and yeah. they need to know how to move and how to yeah. move wisely job done yeah you know? yeah exactly. so i think yeah you're right there's a huge void between needing to go in to have surgery or talk to doctors yeah. about it um but a lot of work still for us to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, what, like you mentioned about some of the information that women can see online, what are the common misconceptions about exercise and having pelvic floor dysfunction or other yeah. of those dysfunctions? What do you hear most often? I'd say that, you know, I, I don't know how to exercise, I don't know what's safe, oh, I can't, I couldn't possibly run. Um, or I can't possibly go back to my normal classes and we sort of get frozen in this state of not doing anything however what you're doing every day you're still lifting you're still carrying you're still walking miles with your kids Mm. and actually you're doing far more than you would have probably done in a half hour exercise class or PT so that's why I think our head shift of like normal life versus movement exercise as a kind of I've gone recreationally to do this are they need to be seen as more of like an overlapping yeah and i think that's what we're both passionate about isn't it? yeah. it's like let's take those movements into the motherhood the motherhood movements into exercise they're the same you're doing the same movements but if you can do them both really well you'll get stronger i, I, th- I think women always underestimate that uh time when you've got a toddler who's screaming and they won't settle down but you need to be cooking so that you can feed them the food that they need because they're hungry and and so you're you've got them on one hip you're basically doing like an isometric bicep curl (laughs) with one hip out and then you're doing like some lunging to get a pan and stuff like that 
and and you get women going, oh, but I'm so weak and I can't do this, and I'm like, it's like go home. You. I know, I know what you're doing. You're like doing a, a you know an offset lunge yeah. with a something or other, and if with, you a, call a, with a, a fifteen kilo, kilo child on yeah. your side, you know it's, exactly. It, it, we, I think we really underestimate it, and that I think that's definitely part of the the psyche of women's. Uh, with, with, their, with their wanting to return to exercises, they always think that exercise is a thing. Yes. And then what happens in daily life is basically just me being like, a, oh, I'm a bit broken and my back hurts, exactly. my pelvic floor is this, and da 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 da. And I can't really do anything. You're like, you're doing so, doing much. so much. Keep on giving you yes. lots and lots of confidence in the stuff that you are doing and Absolutely. how can we make that even better. And I think if we could teach a mum how to deadlift effectively, yeah. squat effectively, yeah. and lunge effectively, and then feel empowered into doing those three movements without pain or dysfunction yeah like we're sorting mums out for life yeah um, but I think because as you say we label it as like this is exercise or we've yeah. got to get back to doing x y and z yeah. um I think that's where we sort of disempower women a little yeah. bit but you know you can exercise if your abdominal muscles still are not right back together mm-hmm. <laughs> you can exercise with pelvic floor dysfunction yeah you know exercise actually really helps these things yeah. yes okay we have to find what is your zone to work in in this time but if you don't ever push outside that yeah you're never going to progress in the same way that if you think about any strength and conditioning training outside of the label of dysfunction you never get better if you let you push it right <laughs> so we've got to as i say to women let's find your ceiling because they come to me like oh, i went for my first run and i wet myself i'm like okay so that ceiling is too high at the minute yeah let's come back a step yeah but then they're like oh i can't do anything i can't you know i just can't I can't even go to my normal classes. I'm like, well, why not? Because actually, okay, you went for a half hour run and at 25 minutes you wet yourself. But what about that other 20 minutes? Yeah. Your pelvic floor Amazing. was doing brilliant. Yes. Yeah. It just so got a little bit tired. It just got really yeah. tired. Let's work within its range that it can. Exactly. Yeah. And actually going from zero to half hour, probably too much. But what about a run yeah. walk program? What yes. about let's just do 10 minutes and see how your body feels? Yeah. So I think because of the way the nature of it is like you see your GP at six weeks that's your clearance for exercise if generally everything looks normal whatever normal is hate the word normal but yeah. you know, on paper you're not saying that anything is horribly wrong even if you are you may not get listened to in some extent then you're like back in this like well I'm in my normal life window yes but we all just, of a sudden I'm supposed to just be doing everything that I should have done before like, oh, great so I can do half yeah, 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 because yeah, that's what I was yeah. doing like nine ten months ago yeah oh no I can't and then yeah. it's like oh well I can't do it anymore and then yeah. we just stop yeah. um, so I think yeah it's that message of like that's just your body communicating something in the same way if you had knee pain it may come on a half hour of running it's okay well let's just work and then mm. keep keep pushing on yeah um, Yeah. so it's tricky yeah. but I think lots of women are now realising more as you say that there's lots more that they can do but it's just working out how to navigate that yeah within um, what they, within um, what you you know and I'm all about if you come to me and you say you want to run a marathon next year brilliant yes okay yeah, yeah. but we've got to do some structured work in the yeah. same way if before babies you wanted to run a marathon though some people do run marathons probably on not a lot of training <laughs> there is stuff that we need to do in the yeah meantime. exactly um but I don't believe anything should be let's live in reality some things 
have changed for some women to a point where we can't change it back absolutely through physiotherapy or whatever yeah. and I think that's an important message that it, I don't I don't want to be someone of so much hope and positivity that some women message me being like but I've tried all of that and it's not helped yeah um so we have to live in reality but for majority of women actually if we're very much proactive I do believe there's a lot that we can change yeah 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 um, for and sure. we should be able to change yeah and I think uh, I think there's also the message that I I, I I find a lot of people talking about, oh, I still had an abdominal separation at a year or two years or something like that. Well, I still had an abdominal separation. My son has just turned seven in September. Yeah. And I still had an, a, a, a good two-finger width, soft abdominal separation yeah. until around about that time. But in the work that I've done in the last uh, few months yes. with really, like, really really nailing down all yes. of the things that I need to do yes my abdominal separation is now closed okay. and I've put, created tension where it wasn't before and I feel and within that time I've also ran 10ks and done lots of mountain biking and yeah. taught Pilates all the time and you know done loads and loads of different stuff and it, it's it's not hampered me, but uh, I've had to spend a lot of time within that, just going, okay, how can I how can I make sure I can run and yeah. make sure I'm not harming myself anymore? Because yes. maybe this isn't going to get better, yes. but I'm going to keep on working at it. Yes. But what can I do? What can I still do that makes me feel good? Exactly, and keeps me moving but doesn't harm me any more than that. Completely. Right, and I think that's a great summary because I think we think, okay, we've got to have the abdominal. Sh- separation shut and we've got to have the pelvic floor at the perfect rate yeah. of strength before we can do x y and z yeah but actually it's i think there's you know the shift is now like okay how do we as you say exercise with all those things and actually how can we use exercise and movement in helping all those things yeah. um but you know i think there's so like so many women come to me and i'm like let's just let come try and do a sit-up let's just have a look and they're like oh claire don't don't like i think they think i'm some kind of cowboy yeah. they're like <laughs> don't even think about doing a sit-up like no, I've been told, like, if you've got any form of abdominal separation, Such, you should yeah. just never, ever do a yeah. setup. I'm like, but you're no way the same as the next woman. Like, we are all different. And yeah. yes, I will see some people do a sit-up, and I'm like, right, that is just not right. But yeah. I needed to see what you can do. Yeah. Um, other women, I'm like, well, you do that beautifully. Okay, other things, maybe a full plank for you right now isn't quite there, yeah? We have to work with what you're able to do. Um, but I think this is the thing, where there's been so much generalised... Shut down, shut don't down, move, no plaques, no this, no that. Exactly. Yeah. And I shouldn't be deadlifting I, anything uh, around your body weight, blah, 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 completely. blah, blah. And, and like, there's so many things you're like, what is that actually based on? Yeah. And I get it. And I th- I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to be flippant because equally that's not helpful. But I think it's just like, it's, this is where it's so tricky because every woman is an individual. But that's the point though, right? That's what it comes down but to. But everyone wants generalised advice, yes. don't they? That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. And, and I would love it. I'd be a, probably a millionaire if I could say, if you could do these <laughs> six <right>? things <laughs> and sort your body out and follow my online programme. Like, yeah. I wouldn't need to Magic. get to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could just sit at home having a cup of tea. Yeah. But that doesn't exist because we're all individuals. No. So and I think that's the message for women. It's like, learn about your body. Don't look sideways. Don't look to what other mm-hmm. people are doing. I was so angry at other women when they were back running. I was like, oh, she had a C-section or an abdominal birth and now she's running and I'm not running because my pelvic floor's not right yet. Yeah. Oh, there's so much looking sideways and getting angry. But 
what I didn't know is maybe that they were still leaking or they were still having pain in their scar, but they just weren't talking about yeah. it. So I think it's just remember, learn about your body, try and educate about your body and work from where you're at. Yes. And you will be able to get back to things that you're probably blown away by. Yeah. Um, including lugging a 15 kilogram toddler during pregnancy, which I'm sometimes like, wow, how did I manage that day? Like I... I'm really shocked, <laughs> but I did it right because I kept myself strong. And yeah. my pel- I think my pelvic floor feels better this pregnancy than last pregnancy. Oh, interesting. Because I've actually been really like yeah. sorted myself yeah. out. It's like you've got to keep strong because you've got a two-year-old and you stand on your feel day at work and you've got to sort this out. Right. Uh, whereas last time I was a bit like, yeah, but I'm young and I'm 28 <laughs> and I'm grey and my pelvic floor has been fine my whole life and I'll do those squeezes because I know I'm meant to, but. And then I had a bit of incontinence in my last pregnancy, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is embarrassing, I really shouldn't. Um, and I've had none this pregnancy, so it's really, really interesting. And I think, but I think we also need to talk about those setbacks a little bit more from people like you and me, yeah. like, like what I've just said. I don't think there's enough people sort of saying, yeah, I feel like I'm abdominals about to go down, my prolapse is now not there, or my pelvic floor dysfunction is completely gone. And then I had a weekend of walking around an art gallery yes. and doing such and such on a really late night. And then the next morning I went for a run and I had a little bit of leaking. Okay, yeah. no, you know, a little bit. There was a clear setback. What's that from? Yes. Who? Why is that? Like, it's, it's the same as with, I don't know, a knee pain or something really? like that. You're never... You're never going to be at the point where you are not vulnerable to that any longer. Totally. There's always going to be a time where you're like, yeah, I need to always work double on my left than on my right yes. because my knee pain is always going to... It's, it's just slightly weak. There's a pit movement pattern in there. And yes. that's where it comes from. Like that, that sort of pelvic floor dysfunction and the abs separation comes from a sort of movement patterning yes. within our bodies that have, we've been building in for all of the stuff that we've done for our totally. whole lives. But like you say, the more that you understand yourself, totally. the more that you can be like, yeah, I know, I know why that is. Yeah, it's because I did that weird, like that art gallery shuffling yes. around, and I was kind of just stood there, like looking, oh, you know, or whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe I, that's a weird I've got example, a lot of mums but... at the moment who are like, you know, they're doing really, really well, and then their baby's maybe at six months now. They put the baby in the carrier. They do this massive hike for three hours. Yeah, feeling really good. Yes, and they're like, then the next day, I felt really heavy again. So maybe yeah. they've had some prolapse symptoms, and they're like, yeah. oh no, I've made it's it so much worse. It's yeah. all fallen down again. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, let's just assess. Nothing has changed. I'm like, no, you've just got, you fatigued yeah. your pelvic floor to a point where it's just like, I'm sorry, love, that was too much for yeah, me. Yeah. But then it's all the self-blame, then we do the self-blame and that fear cycle, which I totally have been there, totally hear it. Um, but it's just, I think that's the thing. It's, it's, it was really interesting is I think we want our bodies to get to a point where we never, ever have problems again. Yes. Yeah. So we never, ever want to have imbalances. But the whole of our life, how we sit, how we carry, what we do, we're all going to be unbalanced in some way, shape yeah, or form. We're yeah. right dominant, we're left dominant, yeah. we sit cross-legged, we carry a baby on one hip. Then we're all, un- we're all yeah. not perfectly balanced. In the same way with our mental health, you know, I don't think anyone could ever say my mental health is 100% all the time. No. <laughs> never met anyone. No. And I think we all go through seasons of life where... But we almost, I think within mental health, we accept that a bit more. We accept the triggers of, okay, yes. actually, I'm feeling more anxious at the moment because I've not done my sleep hygiene. I've yeah. not done my, you know, I've not given myself pace. I've not done my self-care and I'm really run down. Mm. Where Then you're like, okay, I can see what's triggered that. But I think sometimes physically, we just don't quite identify it in the same way. But there will always be triggers in life yeah. that niggle more than other times. Yeah. And I think, yeah. 
I think that's maybe that's why people reach for that sort of magic online program that in six oh, weeks is going online. to uh, <laughs> is going to fix them entirely because exactly. everybody wants that magic pill that's just going to be like oh well I do this I'm going to be fixed mm. and then I can just go on and do whatever it is I want to do it's whereas. Easy. Yeah, I definitely spend quite a lot of time with women just saying, this is this is it forever. Like, yeah. like not to be depressing or anything, no. but actually this is just the way that we all have to be. We totally. all need to be able to move well. And your part of moving well, my part of moving well, is, is. being able is keep thinking about my breathing, yes. keep thinking about what's going on with the pelvic floor, yes. what's going on with engaging the abdominals in the right way. And when I do that, I can go and have all the fun. Yes. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> if I don't that. do that, yeah. I can only have some of the fun because the, the half of it's going to hurt me or Completely. you know, I'm going to suffer. But what do you think of that? I wonder if just pelvic health or pelvic floor health was just a bigger part of our lives from earlier on, rather than it becoming this thing that comes like slapped in our face in our late 20s, 30s yeah, yeah. when we're all having children. Yeah. And suddenly that and we're like oh my gosh like this is a whole thing and now I feel completely broken there but I think I don't know if I, I don't know if it's I this is where I'm really interested in again and we were talking about yeah. this a little bit in the week like if we could just get that into schools and make girls more aware there's often niggles of things that are gonna become more paramount place totally. a lot earlier on in life and actually if we were just more aware of it and we became more engaged with it earlier on maybe it wouldn't feel such a negative slapdown postnatally absolutely when suddenly you're yeah. like oh gosh my body doesn't work anymore but yeah. it's probably been telling you things earlier on that we've just not known or ignored yeah um so i think that is a huge amount of work to be done as well i could give myself a full-time job literally i'd be like I'm gonna get into the ccg <laughs> i'm gonna get into the schools i'm just so passionate i think education is so key and yeah. actually the more we just get all of us talking about it more and aware yeah i just think the next generation, it can be different. Yeah, for sure. What mums and, and women are experiencing now. I, I mean, I think uh, that was one of the major uh, turning points for me, or, or sort of major kind of wake up calls for me, was uh, reading Katie Bowman's work, where she talks about uh, she has a book, Diastasis Recti, yeah. and what she talks about is what's been your life story in your body all yeah. that time, you know? Yes. I was a dancer from yes. three until 15. Yes. So through the whole time that my body was forming and getting yeah. strong and all the rest of it, my I had a higher, uh, I had a sort of like a tucked under pelvis yeah. and a too much extension or a flatter upper back. Yeah than I needed to and my ribs were always popped forward yeah always. always I just remember always having a pigeon you know slight pigeon chest yeah and I also remember we had this belt that we would wear over our leotards that was quite a hard like it wasn't a stretchy elastic it was a slightly hard stretchy yeah. like it had a little bit of give but not very much and it was velcro so you had to be like cinched in waist the whole time. time yeah and I danced a lot so probably three or four times a week for a couple of hours each time. Yeah. I was on point really early because yeah. I was like tall and yeah. quite good. So I was, you know, advanced in the class. And I just, I think about, once I read Katie Bowman's, I was like, oh my <laughs> there God. There we go. <laughs> it's nothing to do with my pregnancy. No, yeah. And actually, if you were, if we were able to teach girls how to 
really like just drop their ribs into the right place or how to what happens with your pelvic floor like we talked to we were talking on Instagram yeah. this conversation about the different cues that we're giving our kids <laughs> to do for going to the toilet yeah. uh, you know and actually it, it came up again with my daughter this weekend has had croup oh, and so, you know, a really, like, hacking, yeah. barking cough. Yeah. Loads of pressure down. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope she won't mind me saying this. She kept on farting at the same time yes. as coughing. Yeah. And I kept on going, oh, Layla, stop farting while you're coughing. <laughs> and then I suddenly was like, oh, my God, I know exactly what she's doing. Yes. She's putting pressure down on the, onto her pelvic floor, and her yeah. pelvic floor can't cope can't with cope. the impact. Or constant coughing, yeah. So I kept it. So without trying to layer it on too much, I was saying... You know, when you cough, see if you can lift and cough yeah. out rather than cough down. Yeah. See if you can do that. But then, you know, it's it's quite a lot for a nine-year-old to hear that. Road. And she's sick. Yeah. And, she, you know, bless Completely. her. Like, by the way, here's your pelvic floor. <laughs> she's like, Mum, so you alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me just do what I've got to do. But I think it's just them, even if she's aware that she's got a pelvic floor at nine. Right. Think, how magical is that? Yes. I mean, it's just like, absolutely no amazing. Idea. Yeah. I have no idea about no. pelvic floor. Really, I only became when I, when I started my job um, at 21, which I still think is quite young to even know you've got a pelvic floor. Right, yeah. um, But, you know, I have no idea. You know, loads of my friends were oh sex is really painful I don't really know why mm. and, and I used to you know in the past be like oh I don't I have no idea yeah. and I was like well, actually yeah well, like what's going on with your pelvic floor um fascinating yeah fascinating and I think that's where I think pregnancy birth and menopause get like all the blame mm. <laughs> and I'm like poor little guys like yes they put a lot of pressure on our bodies but they only deal with what goes into those phases. Exactly. And actually, I think as women, we've got to look at what we're doing prior to that. Um, and, and, and I think this is where the next generation, we've got to change things. Yeah, so actually, sure. we don't feel so deflated through pregnancy and postpartum. Those things will always impact us hugely and probably be the biggest shaping parts of our physical yeah. life. However, there is huge bits of work to do before that. And yeah. I just think learning to poo correctly has got to be one of the biggest gifts you can yeah. give your children. Yeah. <laughs> like, so what would be, yeah, what would be your sort of, uh, I don't know, age appropriate or what type of things would you be uh, suggesting women might say to their kids, you know, like potty, yeah, training, potty training or, or even just when kids are, because some kids do get a bit stuck mm. having a poo, no, no matter whether they're toddlers or later yeah. on they've sort of formulated an issue around yes. going to the toilet yes. and then we'll end up straining too yeah. much. So I think, I mean, again, I'm not a paediatric continence physio. I have got training in that area, but it's not my specialism and I'm obviously not a potty training expert. But I think what, just having lived it myself and observing children, mm. you know, how children, they squat down, don't they, generally, and they do their poos. And then we take them from that beautiful squat position and yeah. we might be put them on a big toilet. So I think finding a potty that's very low, because a lot of potties are a bit more like a chair, aren't they? Yeah. So they come into that more right-angle knee yeah. position. You want them low down, so they're almost recreating a squat on the potty. So yeah. I think if that's how they learn to do a poo on toilet or potty, that's going to seriously help them. I think not rushing potty training. I think sometimes there's too much pressure mm. on parents. Like, you've got to potty train. They're two, they're two and a half. Nurseries put that pressure on, though, there don't they? There is a lot they? of pressure. Yeah. If and they I don't th start until two, then they say well, they have to be completely dry. And then there's a lot of parents like, oh, my God, I've got, got to potty train it. over the summer holidays. Yeah. And obviously, it's not as simple as that. You know, I yeah. don't want any parent whose maybe child is struggling to think, oh, it's because of what I've done. Because it's, it's a complicated thing. But I think definitely going with the child's lead 
um, and seeing how they go with it mm. is really, really important. Mm. I think trying not to put them on a toilet too early. Mm. Um, I know that's sometimes a faff having to take a potty out with you, but I will always take a potty out now. So if my daughter needs a poo when we're out, she can do it on the potty and sit low, and I haven't got to try and balance her on some of the toilet. Because yeah. if you think about yourself balancing on a toilet, what do you do? You grip everything. Yeah, whole, now, yeah. if your pelvic floor can't relax, that poo ain't coming out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're going to have to strain, and then you learn straining. Yeah. Other lovely tips I've always had is getting them to blow bubbles while they're sat on the toilet because oh, it nice. helps them to breathe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would just, I've really educated my daughter about the positions. Be like, let's just lean forwards. You yeah. know, let's look at a book that's on the floor so yeah. you can look forwards, um, lean forwards. But I think also what we model to them. So I have something called a squatty potty around my toilet. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what those are, it's basically a stool that fits around a toilet so you can get your feet up and get yourself into the best position to do a poo. So she sees me doing that. Yeah. So she knows that if I, I mean, she, I don't think I ever poo alone. She's always there. Yeah. You know, I she knows that's what I do. Um, and I think if we model that to our kids, of course they're going to want to do it more. Because yeah. they've seen that their whole life, and therefore they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think those would be my top tips. Um, again, I completely understand it's complicated. It is complicated, and yeah, easy, for sure. But I think, I think if we have some awareness of actually, uh, you know, allowing kids to like you say go go by their lead or teach them to blow yes. out as they go to the toilet yeah. or um you know we mentioned the other day about not doing the just in case week which yeah. is really hard because so your kids like you know perfectly well they haven't been to the toilet for three hours you're just about yeah. to go out for a drive and you could do that kind of very vague oh i wonder whether anyone needs to go to the toilet <laughs> and then that's it like not like no you're going to go to the toilet now yes, you know completely. so allowing them to trust their what bodies. their own body says yeah. so and they it don't might be do frustrating. that constant and and actually then that's one of the things that i always say to the a lot of mums is uh i say you know what do you do like when do you go to the toilet how often do you go to the toilet yes. what do you what's your sort of yes. habits around that and they're like oh well whenever i leave the house i always go to the toilet yes. i'm like well do you need to go well, it doesn't matter i just always go just in case <laughs> yeah i'm like right so if you think of the language that you're using for yourself yes. you might be using the same for your kids where has that got you yes uh well i often have a sort of urging content you know they yes. sort of uh, get um need to or come off the toilet and then they need to go again or yes. they do that thing where they like desperate to go to the loo because key their signals the are the wrong yeah, yeah. The key in the door their signals are kind of in the wrong way they're yeah. um they're, they're too much it's so urgent yeah. um so yeah so if, you know retraining that language in the household yes, so that they're like okay if you don't need to go to the toilet great yeah let's go I mean my daughter is so like mummy I've already been for a week yeah, and I'm like okay. oh wow at two that's I mean I always say I always just say like we're going to go out now um, you know I, I'll try and give her a distance so we're not going to be back until after lunch or yeah. something like that we'll take the potty um you know, if maybe it's been three hours since the morning, would would you like? Do you feel like you need a wee? Yes. Because um, I think sometimes two hours are just so in the moment they don't even oh, engage. Yeah, yeah. But she'll often be like, mm, no, actually I did a wee earlier. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, great. Fine. And then off we go. Trust it. And, yeah. and actually, she's been absolutely brilliant. Now I'm not saying I have another kid; it'd probably be a disaster. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's really helped just allowing them to have that power yeah. as well because so much around toileting um, in all of us is about yeah. control yeah. and power yeah. and things like yeah. that especially in toddlers and I think giving them that even if it means you may have they may have an accident <laughs> you may have to carry your potty around for the next year or so I just think sometimes it's, it is worth it for their long term pelvic health Yeah. Um, but yeah there's a lot of work to do around all these areas but I think yeah you're right as mums if we can just think I think 
There's a brilliant parenting book out at the moment by Philippa Perry, which yeah. is like the book that you wish your parents your, had read. Yeah, your children will be glad thank you that you did. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, she's not talking about potty training, but she's very much talking about examine yourself yeah. and what you're bringing into that parenting yeah. relationship because that will be what influences the next generation. Yeah. And I'm like, it's irrelevant to everything, isn't oh it? My if we gosh. reflect on ourselves, Food, like how toileting, yeah, what are you do about clothes, you know, sleep. Yes, exactly. It was huge. Yeah. So I think all these things, if we just look at ourselves, not in a like fearful way, but I think it's really helped me think: How am I approaching things? Mm. Um, because I will obviously give that to the next generation, and I'm fully aware that some of those things will screw up my kids because we all impact our children. Right. <laughs> next generation, next generation. Yeah, but yeah. actually, if I'm doing as much as I can to examine myself in all of these areas, yeah. then hopefully it will be as prepared for motherhood right as exactly <laughs> hopefully but yeah and we can all be as hopeful as possible around exactly. that but i think it's the same thing with all of them it's all about awareness totally. um so one of my interests about and we've touched on it a little bit uh, all the way through is about pelvic floor dysfunctions also, and also diastasis recti or yeah. abdominal separations the mental health aspects yes. of having an issue post-birth so just uh, having pelvic floor dysfunction or diastasis recti and postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety or generalised yeah. anxiety are very closely linked. Yes, massively. In fact, the stats are really disturbingly high. So what do you think What do you think might be going on here or what have you read might be going on? I think, I think, um, oh, so many things. I think partly because women are probably not feeling heard yeah so i see a lot of women coming to me being like i've just been told that because i've had a baby you know therefore these things are just going to be my life now yeah. <clears throat> and so they don't feel heard and therefore if you don't feel heard where does that go it mm. goes back into yourself mm. and then i think that feeds a lot of the kind of mental health aspect of things um i think knowledge is power so i think a shock so i think a lot of the time women aren't expecting it um i think a lot of women don't necessarily know the words prolapse they don't know the they don't necessarily know that that's linked with postnatal. They think that's something much later in life, potentially. So I think there's a huge shock, or maybe antenatal classes have prepared them for this one way of birthing. Only up to birthing, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And then, but also, you know, you birth this way, and if oh, yeah. that doesn't yeah. happen, yeah. therefore I have failed. There's a lot yeah. of failure. I think um, what I was talking about this Mummy Tribe event last week was very much this idea of like, okay, you've had a vaginal birth and you've had a cesarean section. <laughs> um, I've learned a lot of this from like the mo uh, Mother Wellness Toolkit, Anya Hayes. You yeah. know, she's very much, no, it's vaginal birth and it's abdominal, abdominal birth. birth yeah. You know, we've got to stop educating women that they haven't birthed their child. They no. should have birthed them. Yes. It's completely crazy. And I think so many women there last week were just like, oh, I've completely felt like a failure. Like I've not birthed my yeah. child because... And there's always that just for, it was for medical reasons, it was for this. I was like, yeah. you know what, even if you've chosen a cesarean section, like, I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You have still birthed a child and that is important. So yeah. I think it's so many of these areas where we're not empowering, we're not educating and women don't feel heard, I think feeds into a lot of that. Yeah. And then also just feeling like they have to battle to get help. So many women turn up at my door, they're like, oh, I'm just, I've been arguing and I've been here and I've been there and I've been sent there and you know, you've got a small baby right. and you're just trying to get help or, so when I did a Q&A this week for someone else, they were like, oh, so many women, so many of the questions were like, sex is painful, three is postnatal, seen a doctor, said it's normal. Sex is still <sighs> painful, six weeks postnatal, what should I do about it? Everyone says, just carry on, it gets better, but it's just not. You know, it's like my body's saying no, but I want to. And I'm like, wow, like so many. <laughs> it was wow. so, it was almost like the same, it was almost like the same person messaging yeah, yeah, the same yeah. thing, but yeah. just different postnatal yeah. periods. 
And I was like, gosh, isn't that unbelievable that the message women are getting? And I've had so many women come to me and be like, oh, they just someone told me just to have you know, a glass of wine and just crack on. Now, oh, have a glass of wine or two, whatever it works for you. But if there is pain or problems there, yeah. like if we're not listening, we're teaching women to not listen to their bodies. See, yeah, exactly. Now, if we teach women not to listen to themselves, I mean, that's just going to yeah. feed any form of yeah. self-neglect, self lack of self-worth <clears throat> and things like that. So... I think there's a huge amount of work. And I think also lots of women, when we were at this event last week, were saying they hadn't even almost made the link between I've been incontinent since and my mental health has been. Because I think sometimes yes. in the busyness of that new motherhood, you have absolutely no time to really think why I feel the way I feel. Yeah. Obviously, if you had like half hour every week to chat to someone and be like, let's debrief as to why yeah. you're feeling like this. That'd be good. We'd Wouldn't that be wonderful? Every yeah. week. Oh my gosh. But actually, we just don't have that time to think about it. No. But I think actually if we could say to women at that six-week chat, be like... Look, listen, if you're experiencing an incontinence or if you're feeling like your tummy is just not looking right and you don't know what to do about it, if you're feeling emotional about it, it's actually okay. But I think, again, the other message we're saying to women is, like, if you and your baby are alive, ace. Like, it's almost like that is, like, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. And because we've achieved those things, yeah. therefore any other emotion is... Is not okay. invalid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's okay if you don't feel like your body feels like yours anymore, and it's okay if it doesn't look the right yeah. way, and it's okay if you feel sad you don't fit in your jeans anymore, yeah. and you can't stand yourself when you look in the mirror, or you feel incontinent, and that's just not okay to you. Like, that's okay. Yeah, we always have to negate our feelings. So you hear people say a lot of the time, I felt really, uh, I feel really bad about this, or I feel really upset about such and such. Uh, oh, but but you know, obviously, I'm really grateful, and I'm really glad that. Also, because we all know how precious it is Completely. that we even had a child, Completely. because we all have either friends or, or personal experience yeah. of where it yeah. hasn't worked out, yes. or we've had some sort of loss or trauma or something like that. So you do spend a lot of time going, oh, but th you know, it's almost like sort of sort of like survival skill. But I'm really not saying it in that, that same sort no. of way. But yeah, but it's that thing of like I'm comparing myself to somebody worse. So I'm actually I'm invalid to think that the way that I am. Yeah, and. And then it stops the conversation right there because totally. we, those women then don't seek help or don't don't exactly. then also say, I just feel a bit shit actually. Yeah. Is that is that all right? Because I spent a lot of time after my second when I was having a lot of problems with um, depression of, of thinking that that was how everybody felt. That yes. was just what having two kids was like. And I was thinking, well, everyone talks about how tired it is <laughs> yeah. and they are. So this must be it, yes. you know? Yes. Oh my, oh my God, this yes. is it. Yes. And and then that I found really hard because I just I think that then spiraled me even more because I thought, oh my God, this is literally it, it and it's now. so awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's helping women to hold the tension of the two. Yeah. And I think in life we like to just box things and sit, okay, well, this is, I'm great. I'm grateful, therefore I'm grateful. And I can't have, like, I'm also pretty ungrateful for the I other can, stuff. I can be grateful and, and feel rubbish yes, and seek help all at the same, same time. time. Yeah. I can be so thankful that that medical t to save me and my baby, but I'm very sad that actually I can't do the things I love to do. Yeah. They can sit directly next to each other and overlap, yeah. and that is okay. And I think mm. if women hear that that is okay, Okay, mm. then then that would make a big difference mm. to mental health because I think it's just that we disallow ourselves to have mm. those emotions and therefore those emotions stay inside yeah. and that's when again I'm not a mental health expert but that's from my understanding is just how that all like ruminates and um, and also if I, I was saying at this event like if we are allowing ourselves to have a body that we feel we 
don't like or disengages or we're incontinent and we don't, you know, what's that saying about our self-respect and ignoring the fact that maybe we need some help? Yeah. You know, if we're going to have this self-care, self-worth generation, we've got to start approaching some of these things for ourselves. Yeah. And um, I was really fascinated, you know, with mental health, we're always like, would you talk to your child? If you're, you wouldn't talk to your child in the way that you talk to yourself. Yeah. Don't don't talk you know don't talk to yourself like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, would you allow your child to have those number of maybe dysfunctions yeah. or problems yeah. and not seek help not, for them? Yeah. You never ever would. Yeah, that's an amazing way to think. But about we it, always yeah because I think it's easier to say that within the mental health aspect, isn't it? But it's not necessarily as easy to address that sometimes physically. Yeah. But I think it's the same message. Yeah. If you would not laugh when your kid came back from a run and they had wet themselves. Yeah. Don't laugh at yourself. No. Yeah. <laughs> because exactly. actually, it's the same message. It yeah. would not feel right to laugh at your child or anyone else that you love about that. Yeah. Don't laugh at yourself. Yeah. I should just be like, this is not actually how I want to live and I want to do something about it and that's okay and that's that's good yes yeah, so <laughs> a lovely and, amount of self-respect and how, yeah, exactly having that self-worth that you are worth spending 60, 70 whatever it's going to cost to go and see a women's health physio yes. once to go going on yes, down there you know me. someone tell me how do I do something about this totally what, what's what's next yes have that self-worth to be able to put that money into that yes. rather than you know I uh, uh, rather than kind of going, well, I just I can't spend that money. Yes, or, you know, and or, I think also knowing that actually, if you did go privately because you chose to, come and tell that physio what you're able to do. You know, yeah. someone comes to me and they're like, Claire, I can literally afford to see you once. Brilliant. Okay, fine. We have a plan now. We have a plan, and yeah. today what you've got to leave here with is is tools so you know how to rehab yourself. Now, other women. Maybe in an ideal scenario, I say, look, if you were able to come back, I'd love to see you three times so I can help yeah. you with specific things. But if you're not able to, I honestly believe most physios, even if it's in the private world where it's essentially more about money than, you know, there is a money element to it, though we all, I think, aren't driven by that as, as clinicians, really. You know, just go in there and be honest about what you're able to yeah. do. But be like, I just want to understand my body better. Yeah. Brilliant. We all love that. Um, just think, I just think, don't think you've got to go and think, I've got to be able to afford four or five sessions no. if I'm going to start and this it's journey. it's only worth it if I do that, because it's definitely it's not, not. You know, a one-off can yeah. sometimes be all that you need. And yeah. I'll see loads of women on the one-off because that's all they're able to dedicate to in that post-injury yeah. period. And that's great. I yeah. think that's the message that we need to give to mums is like, it doesn't have to be a whole six-month year treatment if you're not able to. No. Um, or you might be like, right, I, I really... I, I really realise the benefit of this now. I'm going to save up, and in six months I'll come back for a follow up. Yes, great. Yeah. Also great. You know, I think sometimes it helps us to be like, okay, am I going to get my hair done this month or am I not? <laughs> you know, and actually sometimes when you work out the pricing, it's it's very similar. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But again, it's where are we putting our worth? Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now I love getting my hair done, so it's not I'm not being rude about that no. at all. But I think it's just sometimes once you've got into the process of realising, oh, actually, there's things I can do about my body. It empowers you to think about how to make oh, those changes yeah, yeah, further. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, we do, we've talked a little bit about diastasis recti, but um, what about, um, what are the biggest risks that you're concerned with when a woman has a ab separation and what's the easiest advice that you can give them mm. that will help? I mean, I think what my concern is or what their concern, I'm really much more bothered about what the woman's concern is. Yeah, so okay. if someone comes to me and they're like, my tummy doesn't look right, or I don't feel strong enough to do X, Y, and Z. So I think it really depends on the woman's yes. desires yeah. um, and what they are wanting to get out of it. I guess my my big thing is, what is that abdomen able to withstand? Yes. So 
again, my big passion is, are you able to do mum life, <laughs> feel safe, feel like you are empowered to move, that's my goals yeah. with that woman. Um, and obviously, depending on what they want to get back to, we'll focus it on that. Um, I guess looking at, at what they're yeah, able to do, so if they're really, really bulging, uh, doming up the middle, yeah. or either going the other way, troughing, then I just want them to understand their body yeah. and be like, listen, these are the things we ideally don't want to see loads and loads of, but again, let's work out what you're able to do. Yeah. Um, top advice. I think... It's such a tricky one, and I always, I always kind of feel a bit tongue-tied. I think when it comes to it, because it's I, hard to pick. It's a very one particular hard. thing, right? But yeah. I think what I find benefits women most is maybe one exercise where they're really tensioning that connective tissue yeah. in the tummy um, and feeling like they are effectively working their tummy. So that could be many different things. I always say, if you literally can't access help, getting to a Pilates class is probably the best thing that you can yeah. do. A postnatal Pilates right. class. A lot of the time, you'll get te- taught the foundations yeah. that you need. Um, but a big thing is for me, with a lot of mums, and I find it very effective, is thinking about their posture. Yeah. Um, and actually, they're like, oh, I'm doing my exercises three times a week, but I still feel like my tummy looks really long. And often, the actual issues that women have with their tummies isn't actually about the separation. We blame, again, it's a bit like we blame menopause, we blame pregnancy. A lot of the time we're like, oh, it's because I've still got that one and a half finger separation between my belly button. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's loads that has changed during pregnancy. It's how those muscles fire together. It's how they recruit. It's how long everything is. It's how you're standing. How you're standing. And actually sometimes when you just make a couple of changes in the mirror, they're like, Oh, wait a minute, um, I look, it's, it's all gone. Where's it gone? Where's it gone? And I'm like, well, yeah. you're just actually engaging some of the muscles yeah. that you need, which is your natural corset. Yeah. So I think if you can correct posture to some extent, now there's also controversy about that of like, is, is posture relevant? You know, sometimes women... Anyway, that's a whole other topic. But I personally, <laughs> clinically, women, what they're bothered about is generally how they're like I caught myself in the mirror and I couldn't believe who that person looked like yes and I'm like well actually you're standing up a lot of your day you're maybe carrying a baby in a car yeah. if we can just think of one thing that you can do whilst you're pushing the buggy um, a bit more awareness of where your pelvis is where your upper back is often they come back and they're like oh my gosh I feel so different so because I've just yeah. been thinking about those things in my mum yeah, life yeah, yeah. they've maybe added on one exercise that they do every day that's just helped their brain and their body to link up I would honestly say that's it doesn't need to be any more complicated no. than that. You yeah. don't need a specialised programme no. that teaches you for months and months and months how to improve. Um, and I think if you feel you're not broken and you're able to move still, natural movement will probably help it yeah. a lot. And if we don't keep log rolling onto our side for two years postnatal, um, you know, and allowing those muscles to work is really, really important. Yeah. And, and knowing that you haven't done this to yourself, <laughs> you know, there's so much of like, oh, I did the wrong exercise. Because I did. Because yeah, I yeah, did yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I can tell yeah. you now, I haven't done, I personally don't think I've done any of the wrong exercise as you would label it in pregnancy. And I've definitely got a separation about my belly button. Yeah. And I'm doming if I did the wrong moves, yeah. wrong moves. Yeah. Um, you know, that's reality. Yeah. So you've not done it to yourself. Your body has naturally changed. And all you've got to do afterwards is facilitate it back to where it was also accepting it may never be 100% what it was before but that doesn't mean that you're not able to do the things that you love so it's not like a roadblock exactly (laughs) it's just a diversion (laughs) (laughs) so you've got to work with that diversion but you'll get back to where you want to yeah 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 exactly and um, you know the hard thing is I think because the abdomen is complicated and you might have some stretch marks that look 
how you don't want them. You might have some Saggy loose skin, skin yeah. that's the way you don't want to. Yeah. That's not because you have any form of abdominal separation. I think we want it to because we think if we can fix that abdominal separation, therefore my tummy will look the way I want it to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say to women, I will be real- realistic about what I'm able to help you with. Um, exercise can only get you so far if there are, you know, uh, skin changes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, again, a bit like so many things, you blame one thing about it, but they're very complicated um, and there is no one size fit all, but those would be my things, I think, to think about as a woman. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think I think definitely having that confidence that you can still do plenty of things. Like yes. I said, I have a, had an abdominal yes. separation, I have an abdominal separation and that I need to keep on being aware of and I've done a ton of stuff. Yeah. And... The yeah, some stuff hasn't been the right stuff, but I know if I went back to doing that stuff and did it in a way that was more beneficial to me, or more thoughtful, or more aware, then I still would have been able to like do my CrossFit classes or running or you know all of those different things. But um, I can you I can still do all of that stuff, but with awareness and with thinking about breathing and posture and glutes, blah 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 blah, blah. exactly, and doing all of my rehab that's going to help benefit it. And slowly and surely things are going to tension a little bit better, whether or not the gap comes together. Yes, it's much more about the tension and about your ability to manage that pressure, and and you can do whatever the hell you like during that time as long as you're able to manage the pressure right. Totally. Totally, exactly. Claire, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been we did, yeah, we've gotten through a good whiz through absolutely everything. I really could sit and chat about all of this for hours, right? Hours but hours. poor Claire needs to stand up because she's <laughs> heavily pregnant and needs to get off the chair. So, uh, yes, thank you so much for being so generous oh, with your time no, this morning pleasure. as well. Pleasure. I look forward to uh, your talk and good thank luck you. with the rest of your pregnancy. Thank you very much. All yeah. right. See you soon. Bye. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Do remember to check out the show notes and rate and review the episode. Hop on over to Instagram as well at love underscore movement underscore Sussex to let me know what you think and any comments or feedback you have. I always love to hear from you. Join us next time to hear from a new brilliant guest.